0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: What
2: a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it.
3: I am Lisa Wysocki, and today I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and today I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the <laughs> Horse Radio Network. It's May 3rd, episode 3175, brought to you today by Stadeline Tech. Good morning, horse people.
2: Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning.
3: Well, the Kentucky Derby is right around the corner. And Jordy Visser, he is the president and CEO of Weiss Multi-Strategy Advisors why would we have somebody that's a financial guy? Come on. Oh, I don't know. He's joining us to explain handicapping. He's a horse guy. We're going to talk about his derby picks for the weekend. This is where you get your pens and your pencils, ladies and gentlemen, and you decide who you're going to place your bets on. Also in the Daily Dose Health the segment, Dr. Wendy talks about what equine arthritis is and how traditional Chinese medicine deals with it. So we'll get right to it. Well, Lisa Wisocky, thank you so much for joining us. Lisa is an author, a horsewoman. She's just amazing, generous, kind soul. And you are so kind to come in here when Glenn is—I don't even know where he is. Thank you.
4: I, I don't know either, and I'll send you your hundred dollars later today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for being here. How is how is Nashville? I think you guys had some weather, didn't you?
4: You know, we've been having some really crazy wind. It's been like, like Norman, Oklahoma wind. It's just been nuts. Um, so I think today it's supposed to be a little bit better.
3: Well, I was going to say you could keep it because we've had three days of no wind. But <laughs> the exciting thing is severe storms are supposed to roll in tomorrow. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, well, let's go ahead and get to our daily winnies. <laughs> All right. My Daily Winnie. Oh my gosh. There's no auditor birthdays today. So that's crazy. Birthday. To none of you, um, <laughs> and also I don't know if you saw this on Facebook, but I'm so excited, and I wanted to thank my husband and Farm Boy. We are getting we got a new round pen here at the farm.
4: That's amazing. I did see the pictures, and it looks so exciting. And I like the panels; those are cool,
3: isn't it cool? So, um, the company that I bought it from is not a sponsor. If you want to know, just send me a message. But I will tell you that. Um, This company, the round pin is constructed amazing and beautiful and it's awesome. Um, But there was no instructions that came with it. Like, no, no. (laughs) And I'm like, there's like a lot of ways to die setting this thing up. (laughs) And so it's like, Chad's like, I guess I'll just bring my tractor out and hook it in here. And then like farm boy, I'm like, don't cut your fingers off. And then you get these clamps and then the panels are like 300 pounds a piece. I'm like, If this thing falls on me, I'm going to die. There's multiple ways (laughs) to die. So any of you who have set up one of these things, God bless you. Because Farm Boy and I took down the old one. And in the meantime of constructing this, I put that one in the arena. And those are panels that are heavy, but like two people can move it, no problem, pick it up. And, and, you know, trying to make a circle out of something like that is definitely exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. It
4: never gets to be a circle really.
3: <laughs> no. And the horses will tell you too, cause they'll yes. be like trotting around and cut across a half. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, well, guess that's not a circle. So yeah. that, that was easy. So we were able to pick that up and move it into the arena so we could keep working during all of this. Um, but yeah, it's really hard when it's a panel that you can't just pick up and move. I had no idea. I didn't really think this through all that well, but at least I thought I'd have instructions and I called the guy and I was like, Hey, how does it like, what? There's just no piece of paper. He's like, well, here's what you're going to do you're going to draw a circle. And I was like, no, no, I understand how circles work. Okay. Well, I'm like, I just don't, there's like no hey, hardware instructions for this thing. Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put the bolt in through. I was like, I know how screws work. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyway, we're about halfway through it now. But, of course, Chad got called on a trip. But, yeah, it's been really fun and exciting. And I'm so excited to It's So, this, the last one was, it's supposed to be a 50-foot round pin, but it it worked out to about 48 feet. Oh. And that's really small for it riding. It is. It's, yeah. It's lovely when you're doing groundwork and sending them around for a join-up because you don't have to walk that far. And I understand I'm going to be getting my steps in on this next one. <laughs> but so you can't can- canter yeah. in it, riding in it is really tough. So Jamie,
4: we moved up a-, a year ago at Colby's Army from a 52-foot round pen to a 60-foot round pen. And so the initial 52-foot round pen was supposed to be 60 feet, but the guy who did it? I guess couldn't measure, but um, <laughs> it, it was life changing. That extra eight feet, you're going to have a new, uh, twelve feet. I mean, it's going to be life changing for you.
3: I'm so yeah, I'm really excited. So yeah, an extra. It doesn't sound like much, but then we were like drawing the circle it's for a it. Lot. We're like. <gasps> This is huge. We're taking we're taking down bents, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and what's really cool is I've designed it so it's it has it has a, when you walk out of my barn, there's a gate initially just a single gate that you walk through, and then what I did is I got smart because. I start riding these babies and I ride out of the round pin and I have to go out and then right. And I ride into the arena. This one is going to be butted up against the arena Ooh. so I can ride directly out of the round pin into the arena. So like in the world of slowly introducing the horses to bigger and bigger spaces. Yay. I'm so I happy. I love that. And be able to long, like, cause as it is now I have to long line out of the arena, make a hard right turn. The horse is always trying to run back to the bar. It's like, <laughs> no, no, we're just, we're just massaging you out this direction. So, yeah, I'm really excited. And what's really cool is um, one of our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, is sending me a banner. So I'm going to put it on there. I'm like, everybody's going to learn what banners are on the sides of fences. That's cool. That's pretty cool. So we will continue to get this up and hopefully... Uh, all humans will keep all their fingers and <laughs> parts and pieces <laughs> as yeah. we set this monster up. Oh, my God. Lisa. It's like...
4: It's oh, I saw the intense. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I saw the pictures and it just looks fabulous. I can't wait to see it when it's done.
3: Me too. I'm excited. So we've got a load of arena sand coming right now. So any minute it's going to be, the truck's going to be pulling in. And so, of course, I it, I thought he was going to be here an hour ago, but of course they're never right on time. And so he's like, I'll be there right at the time. Basically, I'm starting the show. So in the world of horse girl ingenuity, he was like, where are you going to dump it? And I'm like, well. You know, he has instructions to come in the gate and where to put it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to be down there while you're dumping it. And I can't have him dump it like in the middle of the driveway. And then we can't no. get out of the, you know. So I was <laughs> like, here's what, here's, I'm talking, I'm going to talk country to you, my friend. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to head on down to the barn and I'm going to put a big X on the ground. Where you are supposed to dump it? And he's like, all right, ma'am, that sounds, sounds lovely. So I put a big X on the ground. Seriously. Seriously. Using bailing twine. <laughs> <laughs> I tied like 10 pieces of bailing twine together twice. And I put a giant X like how country is, uh, how country can it. you get? And I love put it. Put the dirt on the, X of baling twine <laughs> You know what I like? I
4: like it's another Use for baling twine as a marker You know, if we were stranded, we could like make help Out of baling twine Oh
3: my god, right? <laughs> we're so smart If we're stranded on a deserted island With a bunch of horses and hay bales Then we can totally there use you that <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well uh, Your turn, it's a really long daily Winnie, I'm sorry, it's your turn That's okay
4: So, my daily winnie is, um, uh, we have a new McDonald's owner in uh, Ashland City, Tennessee. Oh, my
3: God. This is country, too. We got it a new is.
4: McDonald's. It is. And so, <laughs> so I, I don't like hot coffee. I've never liked hot coffee, but I love iced coffee. So, I drove up a couple of days ago, and I ordered an iced coffee, and, you know, you the, the iced coffee at McDonald's, it's like they've got some ice and they've got some cream and they've got a bunch of sugar. And then there's this little tiny bit of coffee in there, you know, so it, it looks almost white. And they handed me this thing that looked like it was black and it was so dark. And I thought, oh, you know, I can't do this. And, Jamie, in my entire lifetime, I have never, ever sent an order of anything back to the kitchen. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, I can't drink this. And the poor little kid who is at the at the window was like, you know, newly hired. They just opened like a week ago. And I said, you know, I just can't drink this. It's supposed to have cream in it. And he said, well, it's got cream in it. And I'm looking at it thinking, no, (laughs) there's no cream in it. So we had this little conversation. Well, he called the owner over who happened to be there. That guy was so nice, Jamie. He was so nice. And he, he apologized. And he said, thank you for letting us know it wasn't right. I'm going, well, what what are you going to do? Throw it in the kid's face? Well, I, I guess I don't know, you know, but he said, you know, our cream machine, I, you know, if you hadn't let us know our cream machine wasn't working right, we wouldn't have known and other people would have been unhappy. And so thank you so much. And, and I just thought, you know, what great customer service, you know, what, what a great guy to, to go out of the way to make me feel good about sending something back.
3: So for those playing at home, Lisa just gave a daily winnie to an unnamed McDonald's manager (laughs) for redoing her order. (laughs) That is awesome. That's Ashland City, Tennessee, for you right there, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Well, now that we have uh, talked about McDonald's, who hopefully will be sponsoring the show, let's now talk about our other sponsors, Stay Line Tack. And I don't know if it has happened to you. But they're here. The flies are here. Mm, yeah. Oh, man. So if you go to uh, right at the front, it's the keys to a fly free spring. Now, what that means to me is you can just get rid of all the flies, and I don't know how to do it. No, what it actually means is it's a fly free spring for your horse. They don't care. There right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> these horses in these pictures are decked out. So they've they got are. the fly sheets sprays, repellents but also the fly mask and the boots. Now here's the problem with fly masks and fly boots if you live at my house is I put a fly mask, we have one horse that gets a little head shaking kind of situation now Um, and so you put his special long fly mask on it and then Ace my young thoroughbred promptly walks up to him and removes it
4: (laughs) Yes, we have one of those
3: Uh, and then, so Ace is barefoot and has, you know, some issues with his legs. So I'm like, I need to keep fly boots on you to keep you from stomping. He promptly removes those. He's like, (laughs) he's the Zeus of the fly boot world. Wow. Wow. The
4: issue I have with some of the fly boots is we have one horse, no matter what style of fly boots you have or how you put them on, he manages to get the top loosened up and he poops in them. (laughs) No way! Yeah, it's
3: really gross. Oh, that's disgusting. It is. That's gross. So what I'm doing right now is I'm going through state lines, fly protection, and I'm looking for the fly mask and the fly boots that have nails that attach them. (laughs) I can't find those, (laughs) but eventually, here's a tip. I need nails. Lisa needs some sort of... Squeeze chute that goes around his horse, like that. <laughs> so. On the back legs, he can undo the top. Yeah, oh my yep. gosh, it's that's, just amazing! That's pretty, impressive. and I don't know
4: why. I don't know, I don't understand. I mean, does he like pooping in the fly boots? Is it like a contest to see how much he can get in
3: there? <laughs> hey, Baba, I mean- come <laughs> look at that did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't my know. gosh. Fantastic. Well, yeah. hey, Stateline Tech, you can find all those things, not including fly mask with nails or fly boots with poop in them that you have to do yourself. Uh, thank you, Stateline Tech, for being our title sponsor right now. Let's get Jordy Visser on. Jordi is the president and CIO of Weiss Multi-Strategy Advisors. That is a 4 billion-dollar hedge and asset management firm based in New York City. Jordy is the host of the video series, Real Time with Jordy Visser, and lead contributor to the firm's podcast, In Search of Green Marbles. Jordy is a longtime handicapper who has taken a special interest in Triple Crown races, and I'm going to read this because it's... a. Uh, too big a brain for me. There's a specific emphasis on the Kentucky Derby. His preview is read by people on wall street. And he talks about how horse racing serves as a framework for analyzing financial markets that wow! I don't know how all that works, but we're going to find out. Apparently a number of traders on wall street view horse racing as the new poker for gaining edge in how to trade. Okay. All of that, I need to learn more. So let's get Jordy on the phone. Jordy, thank you so much for joining us.
2: I'm glad to be here. Love the Derby and love to uh, talk about horses.
3: Oh my gosh, you're a man of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that loves the Derby and wants to talk horses. Oh, I got your number. <laughs> uh, Jordy, so I I did your intro already. And I am, am I reading this right? You are... It, within a, a hedge, an asset management firm in New York city and you view horse racing as gaining edges and how to trade. How does that work?
2: Well, um, I, I, would say this, that I got, I, my father owned claiming harness race horses when I was, uh, young. He took me to some really small racetracks and kind of taught me how to handicap, and uh, he was, and still is a construction worker. So I kind of learned about math and uh, I would say the probabilities and fair value and things uh, at the racetrack. And then eventually, I ended up getting into kind of the the Wall Street world. and those little lessons at the racetrack really helped me with uh, using data. Um, I, I always say that uh, you know, data analytics is a big trend for technology and for Wall Street and now for health but uh the racetrack and handicapping has been using them they hand you a little program it's got all the data you need in it and you spend time looking not only at the data uh but my father taught me to kind of put my own odds on all the horses rather than look for the winner then match them up with the uh, the betting and paramutual betting and the stock market are very similar the prices are determined by the people that are using real money and that means sometimes you find some value and sometimes you don't. So there's a connection between it. And I spend a lot of time talking about it because it's very interesting to me.
3: Okay. So um, I am a nerd about all of this. So um, a lot of the people listening aren't as into it as I am. So I'm going to ask you just some basic questions and then we'll go from there. So can you explain what handicapping is in layman's terms?
2: Well, for for handicapping in terms of the way that I use it from a racetrack perspective on a horse race, um, I'm spending time looking at data to predict the future. In this case, the future is the end result of, of the race. Now, I'm comparing that prediction uh, probability to the probabilities that presented by other betters in the race. So if I think uh, something has a 15% chance of winning a race, and the betting public puts it as a 7% chance, uh, then I've got good odds in my favor. So handicapping for me is just going through all of the data, trying to predict what I think will happen, and then matching up all of those probabilities with what the other people involved in the game have for probabilities as well.
3: Okay, gotcha. So um, when I go to the track, my favorite thing to do is to go to the paddock and the way that I handicap, and you may want to write this down because this is important. <laughs> I go to the paddock and I'm like, oh my God, that one's so pretty. I'm going to bet on that one. Okay. do you write that down? Because that's, I mean, that's how I win. <laughs> so how much does, how pretty the horses come into play? Or you don't even look at the horse, do you? You just look at the paper.
2: But first of all, it's so nice of you to warn me when you're going to say something that I should write down. It's very <laughs> very helpful. That way I, I I don't forget anything. So I, I like I like the warning. Uh, no, I I actually do uh, look at a couple things involving uh, with the horses, but I think it's more important when you're trying to look at how a horse progresses, and especially for the Kentucky Derby where you're dealing with three-year-olds, so they're still growing, and you want to see if they're filling out from race to race. And so I do spend a lot of time looking. Uh, I don't go to any of the races before the derby I have been to more than 50% of the derby since 19 uh, or since 2000 uh, and I will look at the horses those days and just see if you know they uh, are showing some kind of uh, let's say energy level that seems higher if they're sweating a lot and seem to be nervous by the condition so you do care about the as I call it qualitative data but I'm not looking for pretty horses.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, so part of what I do when I go, like to go, is I like to look at all of them and go, okay. Like, do you remember Shackleford, for example? Yeah. Shackleford was a horse. I, I, you know, you you think about it. There's only like one burst of adrenaline that these horses can have in like 90 minutes. Right. And if they blow that adrenaline burst, I feel like sometimes they're not going to have that for the race. And I always thought that about Shackelford because like, I felt like he just, I mean, he was so fractious before the race and I mean, he still ran well, but I I just think he could have been so much better if he was better trained. So do you look at behaviors like, like, like if they're just way too hot?
2: Absolutely. Particularly in the case of Shackelford, Shackelford for me was bred not to go a mile and a quarter, but probably more uh, a mile and an eighth as as the top. So I think anytime you have one where their pedigree suggests that it's going to be difficult for a race like the Derby, uh, if they're a little bit too active, uh, before the race and their pedigree's not there, then I will always treat it as, as more of a negative. So when I'm not there, uh, the good thing is even on TV now, they spend so much time talking about it that these types of things you can see, uh, and I completely agree. And it was a good, a good, good horse to choose in Shackleford. So,
3: yeah, uh, now, um, we probably should talk about this little small race that's coming up on Saturday. Um, (laughs) the race that just seems to have, I don't know, like two trainers that, and then there's like a couple other guys sprinkled (laughs) in. What is going on? I mean, there are so many, uh, of like, say Brad Cox. We've got so many Todd Pletcher's. It's crazy. I've never seen this, this, this much of like one trainer at a time.
2: Yeah. Todd Pletcher in, in many of the derbies I've gone to has had, you know, three to, I think, as, as many as six in a race. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so Todd Todd Pletcher always does. Brad Cox has been kind of moving this direction. He had a lot of horses uh, throughout the prep season. He, he could have even had a lot more uh, ending up in there. But I agree that this year is very top-heavy. I also think the Bob Baffert effect is probably out there where – Some horses that he probably would have gotten, um, uh, but because of the suspension and what happened last year in terms of the horses that were moved over to Tim Yachtin and how they performed, I think there was probably some movement that ended up being uh, a different direction as well. So I I think this year might be a little bit of of an outlier and a normalized uh, next year, but to be honest with you, it, it is clear this year that they are dominating this derby.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Let's go over the horses. Um, so I'll just go through the names real quick and then you can kind of break down who you are liking and why we've got hit show is in the, I'm going to go from inside post outside hit show, verifying two fills, confidence game, tap it, trice, King's barns, reincarnate, mage, and then Skinner, practical move, disarm, Jace's road, sun, thunder, angel of empire, Forte, Ray's cane, Dermont, so Sotogake, Soto Sotoge. Nice God. work. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rocket Can, Lord Miles, and Continuar. Now, um any of those horses stick out for you right now. Uh, they-
2: the- but they all stick out to me. <laughs> 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 I, 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 what I mean by that is I've spent so much time getting to know these horses over the last three months that uh, they all stick out. I've watched every race multiple times for all of them. Um, there, there's a couple things about this year that I think are interesting before I kind of pick one. One is it's a very competitive race in terms of speed figures. Uh, I've I've done a lot of analytical work and I have my own databases on on data that I keep. Some of them come from me having a stopwatch and visual. So th- these are the themes that I'm kind of working with and that'll end up uh, allowing me to kind of break this down to the two or three horses that I'm very focused on. The first one is this year, more than any that I can remember, the the speed figures across the board are very tight. So from the fastest all the way, I would say to about horse 13, 14, you've got some very similar speed figures, uh, where normally there's a bigger gap. Um, there's not a lot of early speed in the race. That's gotten a lot of press from, from people that do a lot of the pace figures, but there just isn't a lot of clear early speed this year. A lot of the horses that are going to be towards the top of the betting are more on the presser and the stalker side. Um, so you've got that forte, which is right now a heavy favorite in Vegas and, and the morning lines, heavy favorite, uh, has. Not improved much in the speed figures from his two-year-old in terms of winning the Breeders' Juvenile, so that's going to be a theme. Obviously, Dermosotagake is going to be a theme. I think it's going to be majorly played up on on the the the, the day of the race, uh, and will take a lot of money. You're going to have the Rich Strike effect from last year, which I think is going to get a lot of people betting on any long shots, which is going mm-hmm. to even out the odds for the field. And finally, as is always the case, it looks like it might rain. And so for the horses that I'm really focused on, I, uh, I like angel of empire, um, improving significantly each race. Uh, I think Brad Cox has proven over time to have his horses ready uh, for the big race and angel of empire has looked great. The last two, uh, I also, uh, like verifying, uh, verifying had a great bluegrass. Uh, I think as long as it doesn't rain, the horses had some trouble in the rain. I expect them to get a good trip from the two hole. The the main problem for Tapitrice for me is that by getting the five post, uh, he's just going to get caught behind. I think the speed all around him is going to get in front of him. He hasn't gotten out of the gate well. He likes to be on the outside, and I think very early on he's going to have a very, very difficult trip. I like him more for for the Belmont. So it's angel of empire for me. It's verifying. And then for some value, I I do think two fills, especially if it rains, is going to give you some good value, probably around 15 to one.
3: So it's funny. He's the angel of empire. I was watching, um, one of his works where he went out in company with Jace's road and he's a monster. I was like, dang, look, I mean, he just, he, he left Jace's road. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's not supposed to do that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> pretty
3: sure they're supposed to stick together. <laughs> they, they couldn't stop him. So I really liked that as well. Now, um, Tappet Tri- Trice is getting a lot of uh, information, but, You know, I don't really like his social media videos. They do his voice and I don't like it when he's (laughs) galloping around. That's kind of annoying. It kind of knocked him out for me. (laughs) Um, And then um, my pig. I also have a horse named Miles and I consider him a lord. And well, he considers himself a lord of the manor. So Lord Miles is looking pretty good, too. (laughs) So you can get a little bit of everything here on this show. Elisa, didn't anybody stick out to you? You know, I do like Tappet
4: Trice, but Jordy, I agree with you. You know, the the positioning is is not great for him. Um, I'm just a big Tappet fan in general. So, uh, but I was going to ask you, do you, not maybe for the Derby, but just in general, do you ever look at like the, like the trainer-jockey combinations um, and and put that into play?
2: Well, the trainer-jockey to me is not as important, but I do look for some signs from uh, the jockeys. And there's an interesting angle in this one uh in the fact that flavian pratt had a choice uh between kings Barnes, who won the louisiana derby uh and angel of empire and mm-hmm. one of the reasons that i really like this scenario is flavian pratt had r- ridden each of them one time so they both win their final preps uh both impressively and he chose angel of empire so I kind of treat that as another sign for me that in this particular case, he viewed those two horses as Angel of Empire either being better set for this race. Uh, Kings Barnes won at a mile and three sixteenths, which you'd think maybe, okay. this horse is undefeated. Mm -hmm. It's won three in a row, but he chose Angel of Empire. So I do look at the jockeys, uh, but the combinations I'm I'm not as uh, I'm not as interested in. Got it.
3: I always wondered that, too. You know, like like what 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 does the jockey do? different with each trainer versus like, uh, but but you're right. Picking that horse would be a pretty strong vote of confidence.
4: Yeah. So the reason I asked is my mother who just turned 100 has had a box at Canterbury in Minnesota since it opened in the eighties. And she, she does the trainer jockey combinations <laughs> and she bets exact as, and she does really well. She makes money by the end of the year, I mean, she does super well. But she knows, like, like this trainer jockey combination is is good in in you know a, a shorter race, and this trainer jockey combination is good with two year olds, you know. So, Jordy,
3: sounds like you need to call Lisa's mama and <laughs> have a talk.
2: I I already bo- booked booked the ticket out to Minnesota now. There so. you go. <laughs>
3: there you go. Awesome. Four. <laughs> um, okay. So those are your picks for the weekend. Now you talked a little bit about works and what that is, is these horses to be handicapped, have to go and do these specific works on a specific morning with a licensed clocker. And that will tell you how fast the horse can possibly go. Would you agree with that?
2: Yes, I would agree with that.
3: I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like throw in some details. So that's kind of how they bet. Now I would like to brag just for a second that I have, um, now the horses that run in the Kentucky Derby, their speed figures can get up to like 102, you know, something crazy like that. Um, I would like to brag that I currently have a horse that ran sit down. A twelve. Thank you very much. <laughs> pretty talented. That <laughs> so, takes some work, Jamie. I mean, I was like, did he go backwards? Like <laughs> coming out. People always ask me. They're like, well, what are the speed figures? I'm like, derby horses look around a hundred. Oklahoma horses look around a forty. Visit my farm. It's under ten. <laughs> which is why they get here in the first place. So I train off the track thoroughbreds and give them a second career. So what are some of the figures that you look for when you're handicapping?
2: Well, well, first of all, there's multiple speed figures that are out there. Um, I, I, I do agree that the ones you're kind of referencing are either going to be buyer speed figures, brisnet, uh, You've also got Equibase, which is generally around 100. The ones that I kind of use and what I've spent my time as I learned more about this and had success at the Derby, it was really the thoroughgraph numbers, numbers, uh, which count down. <laughs> and in that case, the 12 is not as bad. Uh, I am a winner! I've, I've been using used... <laughs> There you go. See, Jamie, it all, all, you just got to talk to the right person on the phone. <laughs> you can always win. Uh, but in this one I spend the time I go through all of them um and just like for for example one of the hard ones to look at two fills on almost all of the uh the the speed figure numbers comes in either as the best or close to the best like in in Brisnet it's easily the best number uh ran in the UAE Derby and they they don't do speed figures there but the people who do a lot of the buyer numbers estimate it to be the highest in the race so speed figures can be all over the place. The reason I like ThoroughGraph is it takes into account something very important to me, which is kind of the the amount of ground run. So if you're running on the outside, you're obviously running a longer distance. So if you can win a race while you're running an extra, say, 50 feet, it matters towards the overall speed figure time. So that's one of the reasons why I use ThoroughGraph. And I believe anyone who uses any speed figure, they should just probably use one consistently. And like Lisa's uh, mother uh, out in uh, Minnesota, if you kind of do the same thing every time, I think that gives you an edge in anything in life. So,
3: consistency. Gotcha. Well, l- the Kentucky Derby post time is Saturday, six 57 Eastern. Um, uh, I'm going to call you at six, maybe over 45. And we'll just, we're just going to watch the race on the phone <laughs> together. Cause I need some, some last minute tips. <laughs>
2: there <laughs> you be, go, Jamie, I'm here. You got to to my number. Honest,
3: I actually had to remove the betting app from my phone. I was, I was getting in trouble. <laughs> It's never good when they call you, okay, Jordy?
1: (laughs) That is true. Uh,
3: Well, this has been awesome. I hope you can come back again soon, and um, maybe we'll have you on for the Preakness or or the Belmont as well. And, I mean, my favorite time of the year is Breeders' Cup, so we definitely would love to have you back on if that's okay.
2: Absolutely. Love to deal with you, too.
3: Now, where can people go to learn more about you and what you do?
2: Uh, well, I do write a uh, <laughs> a long Derby paper, which I've pretty much figured, and they can find it uh, on uh, www.gweiss.com. And then I do talk a lot about Derby and the stock market and health and a whole bunch of other things on a podcast that I'm on, which is In Search of Green Marbles, which is really, again, a handicapping thing because green marbles are the data points that I think people aren't paying attention to that they should be paying attention to. So I talk about a lot of different stuff on there, but it's all about trying to predict the future.
3: All right, Jordy, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again real soon. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Lisa.
3: Cosequin ASU Joint and Hoof Pellets contain
4: quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers molasses and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit cosequineequine.com.
3: Now, did you watch any Land Rover, Lisa, this past weekend? I did. I did. Okay, I love John Kyle. He's the announcer. Did you notice what he called? Because there was a a cosequin jump. Yes. He's British. And it took me a minute. Because he kept saying, and now he's over the Cosequin. The Cosequin. <laughs> yes, I did see. I did coast catch sequin. that.
4: Cosequin.
3: Yes. Like, That's awesome.
4: I, I, like I call kept, it Cosequin. I kept thinking he was trying to say sequin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking for the sequin jump, the sequin you know? Sequin
3: jump. <laughs> <laughs> and Bird Martin yeah. is over the Cosequin. Tommy Smith has made it past the Cosequin. And I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking co-sequence.
4: I'm looking for like now two sequin jumps.
3: Nah, co-sequence. Like an <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. There's like two of them. Like, yeah. it's like an oxer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but before, let's see, uh, the next guest, Dr. Wendy Ying is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages.
0: And now it's time for Dr. Wendy Ying to show up, pop her head up, and do a traditional Chinese medicine segment. And this time, we are talking about arthritis.
1: Yes, arthritis. This is the most common thing that we deal with in horses, right? I mean, everybody talks about arthritis. Anytime you're buying a horse, you're worried he has arthritis. And anytime your horse goes the least bit lame, you think, oh, my God, he has arthritis right? So what's arthritis? We all know that because arthritis is the same in people and dogs and horses, right? It's when your joints get, um, you, you overwork your joints and your joint fluid is not as squishy, right? You lose viscosity it's not as thick. And so what happens is that you don't have as much cushioning in your joints. So then when you put weight on your joints, you have pain. So your joints actually uh don't have any blood or nerve supply. Right? The the way that the cells inside your joints get food is by you moving your joints and that squeezes uh the nutrients into the cells. So that's why sometimes when you don't move around your arthritic joints feel more painful. And that also happens with horses. Um and in Chinese medicine, we talk about two different forms of arthritis. Uh this is kind of focused on geriatric horses, right? Older horses with arthritis. But we have you know I always talk about the yin and the yang, right? So we have a deficiency of your yang, which is like your your furnace. So that's the arthritis that gets worse when it's cold. Then we have a yin deficiency arthritis, and your yin is your air conditioner. So the yin deficiency arthritis is the kind that's worse when it's hot out, like worse in the summertime. And you know, uh, Glenn, have you ever heard of that old wives' tale that people with arthritis can tell you when it's going to rain yeah, because your yeah, joints hurt?
0: That's right, because everything starts to hurt.
1: Well, there's actually a scientific reason why that happens.
0: Because of I always thought it was because of barometric pressure.
1: It is. It's the barometric pressure. So you know how sometimes you can see joints get swollen, right? It looks like a little puffy balloon by the joint. Well, barometric pressure is like the weight of the air against your body, right? Right, right. So it can hold that swelling in. Well, when the barometric pressure gets lower, you can imagine a balloon, right? If the pressure is lower, the balloon can get larger. So that stretching of the um the joint capsule, it pushes on the nerves more, and that's why you get more pain. Mm. Um so uh, the reason I so I that was just a side thing. The reason I talk about the yin deficiency arthritis and the yang deficiency arthritis is because you treat it two two different ways, right? So if you have a horse that is much worse when it's cold out and has uh, that kind of arthritis, then that's the horse that's really going to respond well to things like um, the back on track blankets. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to respond to uh, the things that keep them warm. That's the kind of horse that might need a quarter sheet when you go out in the cold weather. When you have ones that are worse in the heat – then those are the horses that might respond better to massage and they might respond better more to um, a, like more movement, right? So, And also you need to make sure you keep them hydrated because dehydration, the joint fluid is made from the plasma in your blood. So if you get dehydrated, which a lot of times in the wintertime you know, animals will get dehydrated, they work hard, they sweat. Your joint fluid gets uh, a lower volume and it um, can't cushion your joints as much. So, um, we have two different formulas to treat arthritis. For the heat deficiency, for the yang deficiency and the yin deficiency. So, we talked a little bit about the equine duo earlier in the show. That's for horses like geriatric horses that are struggling with arthritis that have problems when it's cold. Um, But obviously, that formula warms the body. So, if you have a horse with yin deficiency arthritis, This formula is not a great choice because this will make your horse more hot. So this is why sometimes people just see, oh, it's arthritis formula. I'll use this. But that is not always the case. That's not going to help your yin-deficient horse get better. So for yin-deficiency arthritis, we have an herbal formula called Degu-P. And that actually, um, one of the main ingredients in there is uh, root from the goji berries. And I talk about goji berries a lot, right? Uh, But we use it a lot in Chinese medicine. So that tonifies your yin. It tonifies your air conditioning, right? So that has herbs in it that helps your joints and then also tonifies your yin. But like on the converse, you can see how if you have a horse who's having trouble keeping warm, you don't want to give them yin deficiency herbs you don't want to give them herbs that will will, uh, make them colder so that's how we look at arthritis in tcvm in five minutes
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so where can people find the products
1: so people can find that at uh, drwendyying.com and you can just search for for the products. Um there's one other thing I wanted to say yep. about joint therapy. With arthritis, um I find that it the treatment works much better when you do integrative therapy. So there are times when I will say to people uh, you know, you need to talk to your general medicine vet and think about getting joint injections. Maybe it's gone so long that they actually do need that uh, and they can have intra-articular joint injections. And then acupuncture and herbs can help lengthen the time between the joint injections because joint injections aren't great, you know. Um But maybe instead of having to have joint injections every six months or every year, you can push it out to a couple of times a year to manage a horse like that. Also, um, I always recommend Adequan and Legend uh, for joint therapy, which Legend is hyaluronic acid and Adequan is glycosaminoglycans. And both of those molecules are what makes up the fluid in the joints. So that those are really easy things you can talk to your veterinarian about to do to not only help your horse with arthritis, but we can also give those to horses, uh younger horses in work before they show the signs of arthritis because it's chondro-protective, meaning it protects the cartilage that they have now. So that's always a good idea. It's it's uh it's very safe to give because It's uh, molecules that are already in the body, and it's a great way to protect your horse's joints so that they live a long and healthy life.
0: Very good. DrWendyYing.com
3: I'm here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feeds, Janet Geyer, and I wanted to have a quick chat with you because... Daily dose equine horse feed are non-GMO, whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small, dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it
4: through Chewy, anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and northern Virginia, you can get it
3: delivered. There you go. Chewy.com, it will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance, so you can have it delivered every X number of days, and you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today, DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com.
2: If you have one or two horses or you have 20, 30 or more, fly predators will make the difference between heavy infested fly problem or a no-fly zone. Balding lab fly predators catching these flies before they become an issue.
3: Well, Lisa, you've got something really exciting happening uh, here on the Horse Radio Network, and that is a new show. Please tell us about your new show. Yeah,
4: so Celebs with Horses, just talks about horses with celebrities who are true horsemen and horse women. So, we're not going for the, you know, the celebrities who have ridden a horse once in a movie. These are these are people who have been lifelong horse people just like all of us are. And it's been so exciting to talk with people and so the first episode is out with uh, William Shatner of Star Trek and he just, you know, amazes me. He's he's in his 90s. He still rides reining horses just about every single morning and And And, you know, we're getting some really good comments from from listeners and from auditors. It's a little different in format. It's more, I don't know, I think Glenn calls it NPR style, where we're kind of setting up the segment and then letting the... It's
3: produced, yeah. As as opposed to just us sitting here and chatting, you actually put some time and effort into (laughs) producing it. (laughs) So the reason for that was, is he...
4: And I'm not sure that all the shows are going to be like that. Um, We kind of want to go with what's best for each interview. He was so eloquent and so passionate about what he was talking about that I just didn't want to interrupt him. Mm -hmm. I really didn't because he was just he was just on a roll. He was like this perfect guest who was just like, holy cow, you just transformed me by something you just said. And um, so that's why we kind of set up the segments and then just kind of let him go. And um, I mean even the people who aren't wild about the format are really liking the interview. So that's exciting for us.
3: That's cool. And like you said, like you said it could be different with the next one. It just depends on how you feel and that's yes. that's a good thing about it being your show. Well, is yeah. you get to do what you want.
4: Sort of. Yeah. Well, I mean I I don't know what I'm doing. That's the-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've so, heard good things. So where can people find that podcast? Uh just
4: celebswithhorses.com or just go to the Horse Radio Network. Uh, Website. You mean
3: you mean the website Celebs with Horses wasn't taken? That's so weird. <laughs> I have I have had that
4: for a long time. So I, Glenn will tell you I've been trying to get this show off the ground probably for six or seven years.
3: That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a big day. And then before we move on also, what's going on in the book world? So we have a writer's strike. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fun.
4: (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. And I uh, had a good conversation with the uh, production team last week. And, you know, I mean, everything's kind of on hold right now because of the strike. So, um, you know, they can't do anything that has to do with scripts or writing or, you know, that's the backbone of Everything that's that's filmed, so um, we're just kind of um, fingers crossed and hoping that this strike won't last for real long.
3: Yeah, that's good. So, of course, trying to get you know the Cat in Right series put into a a show. And, yep. and and where can people find you and your books and all that? Yeah, I'm just at LisaWisaki.com. Uh, all the
4: books are on Amazon. If you just type my name into Amazon, they should all come up. And um, yeah,
3: so it, it's all good. All right. Well, here, just to make you feel better about your life, I'm going to tell you some weird news.
2: Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News.
3: Okay. I think it's good that you don't have the picture that I'm looking at (laughs) for my first weird news story. But before I get to that, uh, I would like to thank these wonderful people for sending in weird news stories. If you're ever looking at wherever you get your news and you think, God, that's so weird, that's what I want. Email it to me, Jamie at Horseradionetwork.com. Weird news in the subject line. God, I got to change my screen here. It's gross. Um, <laughs> and I would like to thank April, Lindsay, Deborah, Nikki, Scott, Laureen, Ina, Bryn, and Elena all for sending me a weird news story. Okay. All right. So um, this woman, her name is Kelsey Grubb, and she works in a library in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And every year, the new Guinness Book of World Record comes into the library. And so she was looking through this book. Uh, This is her quote. I was I work at a library, and the newest book came out. A coworker was flipping through and randomly opened the page with the largest foot rotation, and said, "Ew, that's so gross." And so Kelsey stands up and decides to try rotating her foot around, oh, and no. realize it was pretty obvious that she had a good chance of smashing that record. Okay, when you think about foot rotation, okay. Put your put your hands in front of you so you're staring at the back of your the top of your hands. Put them out in front of you, and I want you to take your right hand and rotate it to the right as far as you can while keeping her hands together. So your left hand is straight up in the air, and your right hand has now rolled all the way around underneath. You know, as far as you can. Right, right. But she did okay. that with her legs. Oh my goodness! And oh, it's that's just weird. The photo is of her standing with her left foot forward and her right foot is backwards and her legs are straight and it looks gross. Oh, wow. She can rotate her. This is so Guinness book. She has been uh, titled with the largest foot rotation for a female and can rotate her foot 171.4 degrees.
4: Wow. I'm trying to think of of a practical use for that.
3: No, there is not. Like, why would you be like, this is the record I can beat? Um, wow. She said, I always knew I was flexible, but I seem. I assumed most people could turn their foot farther than 90 degrees out. Um, wow. This is just gross. I'm, I'm going to move past because it begs the question, does why? it hurt? Well, I mean, that's an obvious <laughs> question, but they're not going to answer that one. Uh, she said, most people are grossed out and fascinated, um, and it does not really hurt? She says... I never really trained or anything, but how cool that these records that fascinated me as a child, I can actually do. Um, And she says that it doesn't hurt when she's doing it, but her knee aches a little bit later on. Okay. I would imagine. Really I would gross. imagine so. So, uh, how old is this woman? Uh, this is a good question. I mean, she's thirty-two. Wow, okay. thirty-two years old. She's a former figure skater. Now works in a library. Congratulations. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the next story. This is, we're going to do a couple, uh, a a couple food stories in a row here. we got three more and they all involve food. Um, I don't know if you saw this. A Southwest flight was delayed. That was leaving Atlanta and going to Houston last week after a flight attendant. This is all alleged.
4: Okay. Okay
3: alleged um the flight attendant refused to let the plane take off until somebody cleaned up the rice that they spilled in I the saw center aisle. That. i saw that so yeah so somebody spills rice in the center on the flight attendant's like nobody's going anywhere until somebody cleans this up and i'm not cleaning it up well you know i'm like that's stupid Yeah, I go, you're not in charge. The captain would be in charge. So, of course, my husband is captain of an airline. And I was like, babe, this has got to be stupid, right? Like, no, like, flight attendant would be able to stop a plane from taking off because rice was spilled. And he was (laughs) like, yeah, they could. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, if they complain about anything, it's whatever needs to be done to keep the flight attendants happy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was the weirdest part of the whole weird news story. <laughs> that is very weird. I was like, you mean they can, he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. And he didn't seem to want to expound on it. And so I let it go. Cause he seemed like he had a little post-traumatic stress about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they complain about something, uh, it has to be addressed. And I was like, you know, let's move on. Wow. <laughs> awesome. All right. The next weird news story. Is we're gonna go to a pub in England. Okay. Um, this is the Coniston Tavern in Nunyton, Nunny- England. And um apparently years and years ago, somebody was in there drinking. There's a, a apartment above the the place. Um and and this guy was down there drinking and he died. This guy who was oh, no. down there and he went up to his apartment and he he died. Well, what happens when you die in a pub is you then obviously haunt the pub. <laughs> oh, of course. So this, this man, Mr. Gadsby and his family started running the pub seven months ago. And since then, they've been told repeatedly that the pub was haunted by the guy who was Dave. His name is Dave. Dave um, was living in the apartment above the barn and died up there. Um, and so Dave has been causing problems and they actually have a closed circuit television and there's videos. Okay. Really? There's videos. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the videos for the seatbelt psychic. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's making me think I should watch what I say around here. Cause my grandma could be listening. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, and I think Dave so, what do, that, what do they see? Do they see Dave or do they just see things moving or what do they see? Okay, so I'm sitting here watching. There's three guys sitting at a table. And again, this is on Fox News, okay? Foxnews.com. Okay. You can, English pub owner says, ghosts of dead drinker is haunting his business and incidents have spooked people out. Here in America, they'd be packed. Oh, absolutely. For Dave. Oh, um, we'd be there, yeah. Yeah. So, there's <laughs> three guys sitting at a, a bar, sitting at a table, and one guy's glass of beer explodes it just explodes like psh, covers him and let's see I, i'm going to i'm going to give you how, what he said which was showered the hapless punter in lager and shards of glass <laughs> <laughs> that would totally freak me out yeah, so the glass just just explodes, and so he was like, obviously, maybe it was just like a hot glass from the dishwasher, from the washer, and I put cold beer in it, and like there was a crack in it, and it just exploded. But they're like, he finished half uh, the beer already. No. That sounds good. No. Okay, next <laughs> video is there's a guy, and this is this one is the one that get, got me. He's sitting uh, at at a at the table, same kind of table, and his beer is about six inches away from the edge of the table and slowly it gets pushed off the edge onto the ground. Oh. The whole beer just moves like six inches. Makes me think wow. of the movie ghost where he learned how to like tap things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, psh- <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wow. these are all on closed circuit television. Now I'm not an idiot. Things are, can be, um, I, I th- you know, if yeah. this is true, this guy's a genius because I bet his place is going to be packed. So then after. you wonder if, was
4: there a magnet like underneath the glass and underneath the table that he could like move remotely or something to I get mean, the I mean, did you tie it?
3: a little fishing line to it and get the closed circuit TV of record it? I don't know. Maybe that happens. But again, I'm going to start watching what I say because my grandma might be listening. She might be. And you never know. She All right. And our final story is about also about food and art, okay? So there's this artist, his name is Italian, Maurizio Catalan, and his installations are famously provocative, but his signature work, his signature, now mind you, he has like a ton of art in all over the place, and some of it, uh, you might rec- recognize, I mean, I'd heard of it because it's all ridiculous, um, but this piece of art in particular, is it's called the comedian, and it sold for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Holy cow! It's at an art museum in Miami, and um, it's a it's it's a banana taped to a wall with duct tape. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what sold for a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Jamie, we're in the wrong business. I know. I know we are. Well, apparently this, it really means a lot. Um, I'm trying to find where they actually broke down. Oh, it's, um, it's called comedian. It's a duct tape banana that is meant to evoke everything from Charlie Chaplin's slapstick comedy to the fruits status as an emblem of global trade. So, so is this a real banana? It's a real banana. Now so it's here's, like going to like rot
4: here soon, right? Here's
3: what happened, Lisa. Is I did come to find out that they change the banana out every three days <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't last much longer. <laughs> However, um, No Hyun So was in the museum, and he's a South Korean college student. And he, w- it was past noon, it was like after lunch, and he's been touring the museum for quite a while, and he saw the banana, and so he reached over, peeled, got it off the wall, peeled it, and ate it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> while museum staff is there, like, no, no, don't eat that! <laughs> he yanked the banana off the wall and ate it in under a minute. When he was done, <laughs> he then reattached the peel to its spot on the wall. I want to hang out with this guy. (laughs) Okay. Do that. Um, yeah. So, uh, apparently they then had to contact the artist. Uh, you know, like we need to talk to Catalan because we need to figure out how to restore his vision. And, um, (laughs) the artist didn't care. (laughs) He's like, I don't, I don't care.
4: So they they just went to the local grocery store and pulled a banana off out of the bin and,
3: Taped it up there. And put it back up on the wall. Yeah. Problem Uh solved. (laughs) This is oh, here's the other piece this guy did. Do you remember hearing about that function it was a fully functional toilet cast in 18 karat gold?
4: I did hear about that. And
3: it was put on the on display and in use at the Guggenheim, but then it was stolen days after it was taken to Blenheim, to England's Blenheim Palace, the birthplace of Winston Churchill. Now that piece is called America. It's really? meant to represent America, a fully oh. functional toilet cast in gold. I mean, this guy is clearly a genius that he's doing bananas on the wall and toilets made of gold. Anyway, uh, no charges were filed. Believe it or not, nobody, the artist didn't care. I'm he's just like, speechless. Really. <laughs> that, my friends, is why it's a weird news. And that one came from NPR. So these are, again, like I said, there's somebody every week. Who, and it's not always the same person, messages me because they don't believe these stories that I'm telling. <laughs> <laughs> and they want links. Well, so I'm going to tell you. That was NPR. I mean, you can't get more real than NPR, right? Fox News is in the mix. Like, let's go. Um, so <laughs> people.com had the rice right story. I mean, if people.com isn't a legitimate news source, I don't know what is. Uh, anyway, if you see a news story and you think it's weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com, and that will uh, help me finish the segment because it's a lot of work, and I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guess what I'm doing today? My husband doesn't know. Um, have you seen the new movie Mario Brothers? I have not seen it. I have heard about it though. You've heard about it though. Yeah. I just I I'm I'm I don't watch commercials and I don't watch much TV, so I was like kind of behind on it and then I saw this news story that was like they earned over a billion dollars and I was like Super Mario Brothers movie. I bet Lucas would like to see that. And it's Chris Pratt and um, Charlie Day, and they're like plumbers, and hilarity ensues. I didn't read any further because I didn't want to ruin me, but I have (laughs) to work after 3 o'clock. That's when Farm Boy comes, and I really want to go see the movie, and my husband's on a trip, so I'm going to go in about 20 minutes and check my kid out of school to go see a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And we won't tell anybody about that. Brain break. I'm going to tell him it's a brain break. He has no idea. So I'm just going to go get him. But, like, take. Him oh, to- he doesn't know. Okay. No, he doesn't know. Like- oh, how cool is that? Yeah. So I'm basically, um, I just really want to go and I don't want to go by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm take my nine-year-old. <laughs> School's oh. almost over. He gets straight A's. That's don't judge me. <laughs> Seriously. That's, yeah, I mean. What a cool thing. That's kind of part of it because like dad's is a super fun one and mom's always the one who has to do all the bad stuff, you know, like the work. Like, yeah, make yeah. food and make you shower and go to bed <laughs> and, you know, put on deodorant. I'm the mean one. So, I'm going to be the fun one today. So, booyah! We're going to get to IMAX, too. Watch out. Oh, uh, what a cool day. <laughs> uh, you can come with us if you want. I, I, I will. I'll just get on the next flight. <laughs> come on, let's do it. All right, George, thank you for producing. Everybody have a great day. Lisa, I hope you have a great day. And will I talk to you again on Friday? Uh, not this Friday, but I think I'm on a couple of times later in the month. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll get caught up with you here real soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Love you forever. You're awesome. And um, everybody, right back at ya. have a great day, spay, neuter, and geld.